I don't know where the theology came from, but there has been this sort of notion that those who end their own lives have committed some sort of unforgivable sin and that that means they automatically go to hell and that any sort of salvation they might have professed or claimed to have is somehow suddenly null and void. A, there are religious people who say that, but B, a whole lot of us religious people who would say absolutely not and that if God is a God of, of compassion and mercy, God knows our weakness, God knows our struggles, and by golly, if, if it's even conceivable that God would send that person to hell, then send me there too. Welcome to episode 97 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens and, yes, with a good brew in hand. I should unmute and do my thing. <laughs> that was going to be fun. <laughs> smooth as butter. <laughs> Woo! So we are brought to you by Wake Wine Club, W-I-N-C. Featuring superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywing.com slash ptlive for 20 bucks off your first order and other savings. And even better, you can try three bottles on us. All you do is pay tax and shipping according to your state but the wine's on us how do you get this free wine you can leave us a voicemail 980-PT-LIVE-0 that's 980-785-4830 or shoot us an email info of theology.com and send us any questions you want us to talk about any comments uh, any clarifications you want on anything you said feel free to disagree with us as well and uh, we'll throw your names in the hat for the winner one a month so Wink Wine Club, check it out. And you want to join us for the live recording of our 100th episode? Uh, join us at the Wild Goose Festival. It's just a few weeks away, July 12th through 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Our topic will be, is it time to go beyond faith? Finding life and meaning in these dark times. Sounds very appropriate for today. The Wild Goose is a gathering of progressive spiritual thought leaders, artists and activists centered on spirit, justice, music, and art. And if you haven't bought your tickets yet, do so now. Get your tickets 25% off at wildgoosefestival.org using code GOOSECAST18, all in capital letters. You can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. And today, uh, in the wake of the recent deaths of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, we discuss depression and suicide, and we try to engage that uh, from a theological and spiritual angle and discuss the implications there. And we'll also address some toxic theology around these issues and how we might do better. 
Well, as you can already hear, we are in uh, multiple locations, maybe even new locations, and someone's already got a beverage in hand. Ogan, what are you drinking, and where are you? So I am in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Olathe more specifically. It is the 2018. Oh, he froze. Oh, there he went. (laughs) (laughs) Shanna, what are you drinking? So what I'm drinking is um, a 21st Amendment brewery um, quadruple ale called Baby Horse in honor of our Triple Crown winner, Justify. Um, This is a Belgian-style quad with a malt bill equal to the weight of a baby horse. That sounds awesome. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> wow. All right. So, Ogan, we, we only caught part of your answer. So, remind us where you are and what you're drinking. I I want to know how much a baby horse weighs. I, well, <laughs> apparently as much as the malt flavor in this beer. Well, okay then. Um, I am in Kansas City, Missouri for the 2018 Unity People's Convention. And all the Unity ministers and some lay leaders we get together for an annual conference. And because I'm in Kansas City, I am drinking... Uh, Kansas City um, Boulevard Brewery unfiltered pale, uh, wheat ale, sorry, unfiltered wheat. Yeah, so um, since there's a lot of background noise, apparently, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be muted most of the time. And as you can see, my internet connection is as reliable as the weight of a small horse. So <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, good, good luck. Good luck to two of you all. <laughs> oh, man. Man. Excellent. Well, we're glad you're with us, Ogan, uh, and we'll we'll power through however that unfolds. It's all good. And you might need a refill on that soon, I'm thinking. Uh, right. This is delicious, by the way. Um, uh, Brian, uh, what are you drinking? I am drinking the uh, classic Two-Hearted Ale from Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It is an American IPA, and frankly, the Two-Hearted just never does you wrong. So. It doesn't. I actually even like it. And I am there not an IPA. Brian, I thought of you today on Facebook. There was a thing going around that says that um, IPAs are pumpkin spice lattes for white men. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. I concur Hashtag. with that. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Hashtag too true. <laughs> I really wanted them to put like microbrew IPAs, but still, nonetheless. <laughs> Oh my! Well, un- almost understood because how many macro IPAs right. can you name? <laughs> but but also as a white woman, I will also say I love me a pumpkin spice latte. So you know, like all right, the white girl drink. So there you go. But boy, <laughs> when you frame it like that, just, <laughs> that really that cuts deep and it's very personal. And it is. It well, is. I will I will I will bug the racial stereotype. I do not like malt liquor. Just put that up there. Mm, there you go. Oh, there we go. We do not. I do love me some grape drink, though. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. Love me some grape drink. Wow. No, right. no sunny D for anybody. No, no, nope. Oh. All right. <laughs> I mean, sunny D is the orange drink, but you know the grape drink. The grape yeah. version. The grape version. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know the orange version of sunny D, but anything right. grape that's artificial, I kind of stay away from. Although I used oh. to like grape Kool Aid. I will. I say. love it all. Grape Kool Aid. Grape, grape soda. Yep. Love it all. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Man, this is the pumpkiniest, whitest IPA I've ever had. <laughs> mm, I so. do love a good pumpkin beer though. So anyway, let's just, yeah. 
Also true. Also true. We digress. So we have a pretty uh, pretty sobering spate of questions today. Uh, yeah, maybe I should have gotten a second beer. This feels like a two beer day. It might. Yeah. We, well, we maybe we have to pause midway for we for refills. <laughs> for refills. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're going to open with uh, the question: What was the first celebrity death that you really remember that impacted you uh, in a way that you still recall? Um, well, while I'm still got Wi-Fi going here, um, I was thinking about this, and I think the first really huge one was Michael Jackson for mm. me. Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up as a kid in Barbados, like local politician type celebrities and musicians, but. Um, I think Michael Jackson was the first one that I went straight to denial. This can't be real. This isn't happening. What's going on? It wasn't a. It wasn't a suicide, um, as we know. But it was still, right. um, you know. And there was a lot of misinformation. And I had first heard about it on Twitter, and and you know, it was like, is this real? Is this not? Is this just people on Twitter doing stuff? And, um, so yeah, and it took it took a while to verify. I remember this. It took hours before you know an official news outlet was verifying this. So we were just all kind of like waiting. But I remembered shock and disbelief. Like what could have happened? He was so young. You know, we weren't aware of the extent of the drug problems in terms of you know, the sleeping meds he was taking. Um, um, you know, it was it was the first death that really propelled things like fentanyl and stuff like that into the into the public sphere. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that was a huge win, um, I think, I think for me. Yeah, I'll just jump in there. Uh, I was actually at a pub theology gathering when someone came in the bar and said Michael Jackson died. And I was like, I want to cry and go home and I don't want to keep this conversation going. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan and agreed. Like, it was like, I mean, he he was immortal in so many ways, you know, uh, and and that was just all the plastic surgery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it just wow, just yeah, such an icon from my youth and growing up years, and we used to listen to um, thrill the Thriller album all the time as a family. We'd pull out the record and we would just you know go to it, and man, that. that I would agree and say the same for me. Shannon? Um, so for me, it was Kurt Cobain. Uh, yes. I was, I think I was 15 or 16 years old, and we were in the car um, uh, to, on our way to Florida for spring break, and um, the news, like, came over the radio, and, and it, was, it was very shocking, like, very, very shocking. Um, and I just, I, and, and he, um, hung himself. He, um, and that, yeah, it was just really, I, I, and I remember thinking like, wow, this is, um, I, I do remember even then like grappling with the idea of how you, how someone with quote unquote so much, right. How you, um, go to that dark of a place when, when you, when all of your dreams have come true and blah, 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 like the, the delusion that you have at 16, right. That like somehow getting everything that you want is the answer to all your problems, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, Kurt Cobain was my first, like, wow, this is, this is bad. This is yeah. a real thing. And then um, Princess Diana, a lot of people said that on Facebook, that was just a few years later. Yep. Again, not suicide, but that's not the question. You know, the question is celebrity death that affected you. 
Yeah, yeah. And we're getting, you know, a lot of responses on Facebook. Uh, John Denver, a lot of John Lennon. Um, oh, yeah. River Phoenix, Mr. Rogers, JFK. So I think I was saying this before. This question definitely dates people. Like, you can kind of guess how old they are based on the answer to this question a lot of times. Yep. Um, because if you're of a certain age, then JFK is your answer, yeah, right? Because it sure. was such a, a monumental moment in history. And, and really, you could have been, you know, six years old. It's, it's kind of like what 9-11, you know, where were you when this happened? And everybody can tell you the moment you found out where you were and things like that. Absolutely. I think the, ener the energy around whether it was, to follow up what you're saying, Brian, whether it was a death that happened by some, some other means versus suicide, I don't know. Does that, does that make you feel different about it? Because I was thinking, yeah. um, as, as I reflected, um, I, I, I think I almost get a little more emotional and, and, and more sad when I hear it's by suicide because my, my thought goes to what level of despair would this person have been at to, to take their own life versus, you know, an accident or, or you know, an, an intended overdose. So for me, there's a little more emotional energy around if it's a suicide or not. Yeah, I think that's, I do think that's true. Um, and I, I, so I kind of want to throw out before we start talking about this, there's some, there's a lot of sensitive language around this topic, right? So the, I think the traditional thing is to say committed suicide, right? And, and not that like we want to, we're still recognizing that there was, there was an act, but some people often say that that language is hard because it, it's it's makes it sound criminal which is kind of yep. what we're talking about today like when you commit a like you committed suicide so some people have started saying died by suicide yeah right um yep. other people are um i've heard other people use the language um uh completed suicide as opposed to attempted right like yeah it was a completed act um, and then, of course, there's like killed themselves or ended their life, which I think is probably one of my um, preferred terms of saying it, right? Like, they, you know, after a long blah, blah, blah they chose to end their life, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. And there, um, there, there is a sort of stigma around the act, certainly around the word. And so I think it is important to think about our language, and particularly if it's a situation where we are we know the person or we know the family and there's all kinds of privacy issues and there's shame around it for a lot of families and, and they may prefer not to have it be public, uh, the means or, you know, whatever. It's hard to keep that stuff quiet, but, um, but just knowing, um, what the family's preferences are and, and depending on how public the person is, mm -hmm. that certainly makes a difference when it's a celebrity, it's just, it becomes in the news and you can't really keep it quiet. Um, but to Ogan's point about how you're affected by someone famous who dies and if it matters how they died, for me, I think if, if they're old and they die of natural causes, it's kind of, you know, well, we knew their time was coming and they lived a yeah. full life. Uh, 
And if it's someone who's younger and either it's a drug overdose, a suicide, an accident, that always is more startling because you weren't expecting it. And there it, there it was. And I think that's true for any death, whether it's a celebrity or not. Uh, it's, it's harder to process when you feel like their life was cut short. Yes, for sure. Um, have you, have you had to officiate at funerals where people chose to, where people maybe not even chose, maybe it was an overdose, right? But people ended their own lives. I have not. You have not. Okay. Ogan, have you? Uh, no, I, I have not. Really? No. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have, I've had a couple, um, in my like 15 years, um, a couple of drug overdoses and yeah. uh, things like that. Partic- like they were all young too. That's like, they were all within their, their twenties. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and I think that's where I really started, particularly then really started grappling with the language that, that we use. I mean, that's become more and more of a topic of conversation, but when, when I'm sitting there with their family, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, do you talk about the wrestling of the demons and, and usually I'll just throw out in that, in that way, um, I take a cue from the way the family talked about it, right? So yep. the first one I ever had, it was, it was really hard. She was the same age as I was. She was 26 and I was 26 at the time that I was um, doing this. And, and it was very difficult. But her mom kept using the language of like, she just always had this demon ever since she was a little kid. And she sought all this help. And, and and again, like that's not always helpful language, but you can kind of build on the language that the family uses as long as it's helpful. Um, and we uh, we use John 14 for her funeral text. And I've used this multiple times since. Um, so do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. But then we went to the, I particularly focused on the, um, God does not give the way the world gives, right? And what the world gave them was really hard and and too difficult to deal with. Yeah, that's 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 very pastoral and and a yeah thoughtful way to uh, to frame it uh, that I'm sure was really appreciated because it is hard. And I you know I've been blessed to not have to do that. I guess I don't know what the right way to say that is, but um, but you no, know yeah. you know that comes with the territory, and you know you you really do have to figure out how can I be compassionately present for a family that's grieving in ways that I can't even begin to imagine. Right. And we often use the language in, cause we, funerals, quote unquote funerals are often celebration of life, right? We, mm-hmm. we often talk mm-hmm. about the celebration and this is a particularly hard way to celebrate, even if oh, they no. were young or, I mean, even, even if you're, even if someone dies of natural causes when they were young, we still try to do a celebration of life, you know, yeah. but in this, that is still very difficult language. Then, Yes. That life was life was not celebrated when it was living because it was so hard. And so, but when we do a funeral and the celebration of life, we often talk about um, they have been, they have been returned to God just the way that God, you know, um, I use language that's like, just as God did not lose them in giving them to the world, right? We do not lose them in returning them to God. Mm. And so, I, yeah. How do you feel about that? Does that, does that feel like a, an appropriate way to frame it? I think I think it is because a lot of times um, when I've spoken with people 
done counseling with people who lost friends or family to suicide. So I never had to do a funeral, but I've had to work with people. Um, for a lot of folks, this is where they wrestle a lot because of you know the, the the religious stigma around suicide and and their fears about this person's afterlife experience because of taking their own life and, and I mean I know we're going to get into this a little bit later but I think I think it's really important for for the the closest relatives and family members you know who, who are surviving to feel comfortable that their loved one is not having a tormented afterlife experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And, 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 and that, and that what they did does not disparage them in the eyes of God in any way, shape or form. And, you know, in, in unity, it's, it's, it's even more interesting because in unity, I think more so than other religions that have experienced, the emphasis is heavy on, Finding that place of gratitude for that person's life, even even gratitude for for how they took their life, like just go to the gratitude, gratitude mm. as a way to almost stave off the the feelings. But interestingly enough, it, uh, it brings up a lot of the old embedded theology from people who've, who've been in unity for a while and who who believe in a different afterlife experience. All of a sudden, they go back to Yes, believe in or or, or or questioning or wondering about the stuff that they used to believe right from the religion of their upbringing so so it turns into a whole other you know spiritual counseling discussion about belief yeah so i I think that's that's really helpful to know when you when you frame it in that light uh you know it's as God um, didn't miss them by entrusting them to us and we've sort of returned or they've returned back to God. I think that can be very pastoral and helpful, but the only thing that caught that flagged me a little bit was it, it, it seems like it's not a far leap for some people to then say God needed another angel or the kind of language that feels grossly inappropriate. So you really do have to find the, find the appropriate way to frame it. And I think, so using any friend, God needs language is crossing a line. Right. Well, you know, there wasn't there was still a little room left on the head of the pin, so they had oh, to get some man stop. Mm-hmm. So sorry, so, sorry. Uh, very, no, very, very poor taste, sorry. A friend of mine sent me this language once that I, I found really helpful. Um, yeah. so this is was a he in this case. He struggled for so long to do his life, and when he felt he could no longer bear the struggle, he gave his life back to God to do his life for him. Like, um, yeah. it was like the language that was used in this funeral was like giving your life back to God to say, let's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself completely back in your hands. Yeah. And I, you know, again, language around this is really hard and it's very sensitive. Um, but I, I think that, like I said, you know, that, and with like with any funeral, right? That the focus is on the comfort of the family and those who are left, um, you know, and and that's also where anger, right? Anger is completely appropriate, and um, especially this is where a lot of um, survivors' guilt comes into play. You know, how did I not know? Why didn't yes. they ask? 
you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it all gets difficult. It gets so difficult. And, and, you know, like with all things, it's very nuanced. Every situation is different. And yet there are some things that are across the board when somebody chooses to end their life, um, particularly because of depression, um, which is interesting. Although the CDC, the new report comes out that, um, that the, I, I can try to find this, but the newest um, report says that people most often take their life because of financial issues, financial stress, mm. rather than that they're, okay, so the latest CDC findings place a higher correlation with financial stress than a history of depression. That's really interesting. Wow, right? Like, that's scary. What does that say about our world? That is you know? scary. Exactly. That is that, really that scary. People feel that they get in a financial hole and that there's no way out. Um, and, it, and it's true. I mean, I... I, this isn't a thing to joke about. Right. But like I'm dead more or I'm, I'm worth more dead than alive. Right. And what is worse? Yeah. And right. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, um, but I think there are people and, and that was true. Um, I don't know exactly the statistics, but in the crash of 29, right before the great depression, like the number of suicides that day because of the financial crash and things like that. And they couldn't imagine going on. Right. Um, Right. So there's lots of factors involved, but obviously the ones in the news this week, or at least that I know of, financial stress wasn't the reason it was. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, you know, there's been a lot of people sharing um, hotlines and tips on awareness and reaching out to friends who are struggling. And then I've seen people react and say hotlines aren't really helpful and stop sharing these. And so, you know, it's like the typical, like, social media overreaction and then overreaction right. to the overreaction. But what are some thoughtful ways to sort of tune in and, and to notice um, friends who may be at risk of ending their own life, you know, whether it is financial stress, mm-hmm. depression, relationship struggles, you know, whatever the thing might be, self-worth uh, issues, yeah, what what can we do and how can we be better friends? Uh, so I won't, I won't, there's lots of different scenarios. Um, I don't mind sharing that I have been there before. I have um, never, obviously, clearly been successful. Um, <laughs> my um, first attempt was around age 12 um, and things were really bad. They were really, really bad. And that's kind of all I'll say about that. Um, and, and there was a sheer will of, um, determination in, in multiple kind of, I'm too ornery, basically. Like, I, I, I'll just put it that way. I couldn't, I couldn't, um, it felt that some people would feel satisfaction or make it about them and I couldn't let that happen. So anyway, um, the most recent one was just a couple years ago and it wasn't an attempt. There was actually a lot of active work to not ever attempt. Right. So I was working with my therapist. I was on medication. It was um, post-divorce and post a couple of other life, major life issues going on in my life. And um, I was working with a lot of people. I actually didn't, I did not go to inpatient therapy. It was discussed, but I didn't do it. Um, because I, I had a handle on things, but it got pretty bad for a while and it was pretty scary. 
Um, and, and, um, I'll admit like the kids were a reason I wouldn't do it, but I also, um, like Kate Spade took her life with, um, a 13 year old daughter. And there are moments where I personally call it a demon. If that language isn't helpful for you, I apologize. That's just the language I use. Um, that demon's voice is so strong and loud that I, I get it. Yeah. I, I completely get it. Mm. Um, and the working against it is, is difficult and it is hard emotional work. Depression is a difficult, difficult thing. Um, and I, I have situational depression. I do not have clinical, um, depression. People very, very close to me do. Um, and what I can tell you is in those moments, like, um, part of why I didn't do it is my ability, my ability to continually reach out to people. But, um, I think when I notice, especially people close to me that are feeling very depressed, I keep a very very close eye on them and a constant communication going back and forth. Yeah. Like those good. are the two things I will say major, like yeah. constantly checking in every good. day, good. right? Night is hard. Check in every single night, you know, um, call me anytime, like be available, be a resource. Cause a lot of the memes going around are like, don't be afraid to reach out, reach out. We're all here. And I'm like, right. But they can't, you understand that, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Don't always put it on them. Exactly. Like you, you take, I mean, you're not responsible for them. You're not responsible for their actions, but, but you can, you can, um, call them up if they're not answering you keep, keep going. They may not answer you. You know what I mean? Right. 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 But you're, but you can control you, not them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those personal stories, Shannon. Uh, and we're glad you're here. And me too. (laughs) Oh, me me three. Yeah. Ogan, any tips on, on what we're talking about or ways to be present? Well, um, I, I, I agree with Shannon about the us being proactive and checking in with them and not waiting for them to come to us. But I think it also begs a larger question about our own personal and religious views around suicide. I mean, I personally have come to a point in place where I don't see a person who chooses to take their own life as quote unquote, a bad thing. Um, And I think part of that is, you know, if a person is going through a level of suffering that I can't comprehend, I can't understand, I don't have any context for, um, ooh, bear number two has arrived. Thank you very much. Um, if, if If I don't have any frame of reference for them, for that, who am I to judge how they choose to end that suffering? Because because every day we all have some kind of suffering on a, on a very from very mild level to maybe maybe huge life changing type sufferings, um, and um, ending for me ending pain and, and is not something I I want to get on the bandwagon and and judge and because I personally have come to a place uh, also theologically where I don't believe there's any kind of divine retribution in store that, that God's not a, a, a being holding a grudge or to be angry or even unforgiven, then then there's, so be it. And I'm not in any way trying to um, 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 
say that. I, I know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, it's it's the, I don't I don't judge this person for their for their actions. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to the other extreme and say I'm gonna encourage someone that this is how you end your suffering. This is not what I'm gonna say. Right. But at the same point in time, again, you know, someone someone posted on Twitter I forget the name of the person, you know, uh, uh, oh. the comment about, you know, if you are religious, you know, oh, yeah. that means you believe in a special place in hell for people to take their lives. And I'm like, yeah. no, they, they, they've already been through hell with what, right. with, with, with dealing with whatever they were dealing with. And this is how they chose to get out of the hell that they were in. That's right. Um, and another another thing that has always stuck with me, and this is what really changed my mind on viewing suicide, uh, the author Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God, he mm -hmm. said the issue and the reason we have trouble with suicide, it's a time issue. He says, for example, people who smoke cigarettes, they're they're taking their own life. Right. They're just doing it in a way that's gonna take years. Yeah. Here's someone who took their life in a way that took seconds or minutes and we we are so shocked by the speed in which that happened we didn't have time to process it and we call it bad but mm -hmm. but you know we're you know are we going up to the people who are smoking cigarettes and saying why are you taking your life you know, no but because we still see them quote unquote kind of looking healthy or whatever uh, so it's part of that's a time issue as well so i i think a lot of of, of, of our own personal judgments and how we feel about it as a as a religious sentiment is uh um it, it weighs weighs a lot so yeah. i i i agree right so like there are some um denominations some um you know religions that see that taking your own life is the sends you directly to hell don't pass go don't collect two hundred dollars right like this is this is without question what you what happens right um, so right. a little bit before the show i looked up like what the like so the only person i could think of in scripture that committed suicide was judas iscariot according to right um you know matthew only in matthew's version is that story that he was so guilt-written that he he um yeah interestingly he dies a different way in acts Exactly. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, only in Matthew's version, Matthew twenty-seven, does he hang himself? Right. Um, but are you I saying will, the Are you saying the Bible contradicted it? Uh, the Bible what? contradicts itself. It what? Sure no. No. But but when I looked up other ones that I couldn't remember, although I should have remembered this one, um, Saul. Um, oh. So here's here's the interesting thing. So Saul. And another guy in Judges, so Saul is in 1 Samuel 31. His name is Ab Abimelech. I'm so butchering that. Yeah, Abimelech. Um, anyway, this is in Judges 9. But they both are about to die in battle. Oh, right. And right. so um, Saul says to his like bodyguard, basically, yep. run me through before they have a chance to kill me. Yes. And then... Um, and the bodyguard wouldn't do it, so Saul falls on his sword. And then the bodyguard falls on his sword because I've, honor, I don't know. Honor. Um, but my favorite, like, but Abelimelech, a or whatever his name is, um, in Judges, he was almost killed by a woman. Like his, like, his fatal wound was by a woman, and so he made his man run him through 
so that they could say that a man killed him and not a woman. <laughs> oh, wow. Because I wow. love <laughs> That is the worst kind of sexism ever. Unless they, like, patriarchy is dead. No, they don't. Let it not, not like. <laughs> well, that patriarchal is. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, let me. Um, so, so Abelimelech yeah. went to a tower and attacked it. He approached the entrance and set the tower on fire. A woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Hurriedly, he called the arm bearer and said, draw your sword and kill me. So they cannot say a woman killed me. So his servant ran him through and he died. As if they won't also say he had his servant do it to make it look better. But I think that's part of the point. Like both Saul and um, Abelima, like I'm, uh, that's how it looks um, in Judges 9. Like uh, they it was an honor killing, like to kill yourself in that moment rather than let your Im enemy kill you right. was an honor killing. Right. And I think that's one of the things that like, now again, neither one of these, we're talking about depression or, or those kind of things, but that's a different, that's a very different view of killing yourself than, um, you know, what, usually what use. Yeah. Right. Or, or than Judas or, or things like that. But, um, so where, yeah, yeah, that thank you for those highlight uh, <laughs> highlighting those stories from scripture because I think that is worth thinking about because we do grapple with with the implications of someone who takes their own life and I don't know where the theology came from but there has been this sort of notion that those who end their own lives have committed some sort of unforgivable sin and that mm -hmm. that means they automatically go to hell. And that any sort of salvation they might have professed or claimed to have is somehow suddenly null and void. But yeah. where does that come from? Is, I, is there scriptural antecedent for that? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I've always kind of heard it come from the Judas theory, right? That Judas was such a bad and terrible person, right? Right. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I want to go... I focus a little bit on what Ogan was saying before of, you know, we can hold both things in tension that life is a precious gift from God, but life is also very difficult and um, that sometimes people feel that that is their only choice and that I personally don't feel that they're condemned to hell for that choice. Um, I make, right, like going back to your point, I make plenty of choices on a regular basis that shortens my lifespan. I drive a car. Right. I, <laughs> I live a high stress life. I, um, I went through childbirth, which is sometimes life, you know. You enjoy a bologna sandwich with Doritos. I sure do. I drink beer. I, you know, like whatever it is, like I eat McDonald's occasionally, right? Like these are all things that, that are known to shorten your life and that, Anyway, all of that is just to say, like, it's not the same thing, but you can also, by us saying, like, we don't condemn people, et cetera, et cetera, is not necessarily the same thing as um, saying or, or believing that life is not important, that life is not precious. And, and it's not the same as us saying, like, we feel that that is a good option. You know, of course, we do not 
right encourage this in any way you know right yeah that's right like if there if we can explore any alternatives absolutely but then coupling that with ogan's statement that we're also not judging anyone who feels that they've come to a place where that really does uh, feel like the best or even only option um, i i feel that we should explain for our like 12 video viewers that Ogan is trying to find a better spot. <laughs> so yeah. um, anyway, this is, this is Brian and I talking for a little while, or mostly me. I'm just mostly talking during. This hey, 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 all good. All good. <laughs> all good. Um, yeah. And I, and I also appreciated Ogan's response to this person who said, Oh, if you're a religious person, you're one who says now because this person committed suicide or died by suicide or ended their own life, that they are now in hell. And A, there are religious people who say that, but B, a whole lot of us religious people who would say absolutely not, and that if God is a God of, of compassion and mercy, God knows our weakness, God knows our struggles, and by golly, if, if it's even conceivable that God would send that person to hell, then send me there too, right? Right. God is, I don't see God that way, uh, and I don't, think of heaven and hell that way either, which also helps. But um, my, my sense would be God embraces that person with a compassion that's deeper than we can ever know. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, again, we talk a lot on the show. If you're a regular listener, we talk a lot about our expansive view of God, just how big and massive God is. Yeah. And I, and I think that this, this certainly applies in that, that even if um, someone close to me makes this choice and even if I can't somehow find a way to forgive them, which I, I think there's some legitimacy to that. It's hard. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that God isn't out there, you know, Yeah, that's embracing right. and loving and, and saying your suffering is over, you know? Yeah. So um, how, how do you help, people or what's a pastoral approach to survivors, especially family and close friends who do carry this, this weight that, man, I let this happen or I didn't see, or I could have done more. Or now looking back, they did reach out, but I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that, that's so heavy. What do you do? Um, so this may sound weird, but <laughs> Uh, often they speak of how smart this individual was, how talented they were, how creative they were. And I, and, and often what I would sometimes uh, say is, and they use all those gifts to hide themselves. Um, it, 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 it was not incumbent upon us to necessarily recognize that because a lot of, a lot of the clear, obvious signs are, are well protected, well hidden, um, and um, so 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 maybe maybe take a breath from self blame and and self recrimination, but often that's something that will only get resolved over time, mm -hmm. you know. And I don't think there's anything we can say to really to really kind of negate a person's feelings around around that i mean you know even uh, I, I use uh, in, in my own life when when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and she passed away 
you know, I felt guilty for some time about asking what maybe I could have done differently yeah. to recognize some of the outward physical symptoms and encourage her to do something. And honestly, there was nothing I could have done because part of it was she didn't also let anyone know the right. immense pain and discomfort she was suffering internally. So so it's 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 a tough place to be, but I think a lot of that stems from how much we love and miss this person and want them to still be here. So there's a lot of that attachment, which in, inherently can be a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, because part of the attachment actually helps you, uh, you know, maybe talk to the individual before, but but yeah, I, I think only time will, uh, and, and good therapy will help resolve that. Mm. Yeah, and, and I, I want to add, you know, like, it, Yes, the it's not your fault, right? It's it's not your responsibility, like and and yet um I think in that example is great of of personal therapy is wonderful. Um group therapy, getting them with other people that have had this also happen in their lives, and then reiterating the the grace of God and the love of God. I often go to a this kind of, to me, is universal, right? Like, it's it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry at them. It's okay to be angry at God. It's okay to be angry at yourself, but you also have to extend forgiveness. Um, we, I, I tell the story all the time. I was in a, my doing my um, pastoral, like clinical pastoral care in a hospital, um, my residency there, and um, I was with a family and they were so upset because their mother was angry at God that she was dying. And, and, and I asked them who they often get the angriest at in their lives. You know, that it's easy to yell at the guy who cuts you off on the freeway, but like that, that's a fleeting anger. Like you truly right. get angriest at the people that you love the most. That's so being right. angry at God really is just an extension of love. Mm. of loving God and and I expect more of you and and that that's okay anger's okay I think we need to you know let allow those feelings to flow it's it grief is hard you know and continuing to be there and and not time is certainly it certainly just is a healer but um things can often sometimes get worse with time if they're not also being taken care of by other means you know therapy and group support and family support, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have this quote from a friend of Anthony Bourdain's, uh, Rose McGowan, and and I'm just going to read that because I think there's a lot here uh, in and it flows with some of what we've talked about. She says to anyone uh, in response to his death, she says, we are asking you to be better, to look deeper, to read and learn about mental illness, suicide and depression, before you make it worse for survivors by judging that which we do not understand, that which can never be fully understood. I love that line. And then she says, sometimes we're stuck in the unknowable. And that is where we are now, a massive wave of darkness that threatens to swallow everyone in its wake. Mm. And then she says, there is no one to blame. But then she has an interesting but. (laughs) But the stigma of loneliness the stigma mm-hmm. of asking for help, the stigma of mental illness, 
the stigma of being famous and hurting. So how does that strike you, particularly those last lines where she talks about these different stigmas and that perhaps because there is a stigma to those things, Anthony or Kate or whoever maybe didn't reach out when they could have. I mean, let me just say, I have known people that have lost jobs because they have admitted that they are bipolar or that they have depression, clinical, like massive depression, that they have mental illness. They have lost jobs. They have careers have fallen because of admitting that out loud, which is why so many of us do talk about it publicly. Right. Like, I mean, a lot of, I've seen a lot of ministers lately really claim that and take that on, even though it's dangerous for our careers. I, I say it from the pulpit. Like I've had, I have experienced depression and here's what that feels like. Here's what that looks like. Here's what it looks like to live with somebody who experiences depression. And, and it's very vulnerable for the, but not just because losing my job, but, but I truly believe that vulnerability Um, that when I'm vulnerable with my people, that they will then feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with me. Yeah. You create a safe space and you model what, what is healthy. But it it is absolutely, absolutely a stigma out there that, that, um, taking care of yourself, your mental health is, is not okay. Right. It's right. If you get the flu, that's one thing. If you need to stay in bed for three days because of depression, then you're fired. Like, yes, yeah, seriously. And, and 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 religion and spirituality doesn't always help either because there's this idea we can pray it away, we can mm. meditate away, we can you know in in unity circles we can affirm this away, um, you know, and and that's dangerous in many ways. You know, I always say to people. Um, you know, we, yes, we are spirit. Yes, we're the embodiment of the divine, but we're also human. There's, there's blood, there's bone, there's brain, there's physiology, there's psychology. Yeah. And so, you know, Ogan's, Ogan's addressing the sort of, uh, we have this statement in our questions, which says, um, depression happens because you don't have enough faith. Just choose joy or just choose happiness or choose a, right. choose to smile I mean, if, you know, growing up, I used to quote, frown, quote unquote, frown a lot. And my mom would always say, you just have to smile. And if right. you smile, you will feel better. And I'm like, I don't want to smile. You know, like, don't tell me to smile when I don't feel like smiling. I mean, that's the thing. Like, look at all of these, look at all of these famous people, right? There was a huge smile on their face. It's, it's the... And, and I'm not dogging, you know, recovery, 12-step recovery, but it's the fake it till you make it attitude of what happens when I've faked it for so long, I still am not making it. There's no other choice for me, like, right? Like, then stop faking it. Then let everybody else in. Then tell us what's going on. Um, yeah. And so, Ogan, you pause briefly. Tell, pick us up where you were about how in unity people might say, you know, choose choose joy or choose being your, your better self when it feels like that's not possible. So uh, it, it's a dangerous thing, I think, and I always encourage people, this does not come down to either or, it's a both and. Yes, you can affirm all these things, but that doesn't mean that you don't go see a therapist, you don't see a doctor, you don't keep taking your medication. 
And to Shannon's point, I think it's incumbent upon clergy to continue to extol, go see a therapist. You don't have one, go find one mm-hmm. and, 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 and do that. Uh, yes, Brian, you too. Um, I, <laughs> Although he made his kid mow the lawn and I'm super proud of him. I know, I, I saw that, I saw that, <laughs> I saw that. That's, that's made, good. Made slash paid. Oh, see, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm good with that. Anyway. Exactly. As long as they're taking some measure of responsibility and accountability for for earning earning their keep. But, you know, I mean, like to, to Shannon's point, I, 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 I speak, I won't say often, but I do, I do not hesitate to mention that when people talk about, you know, you, how, how well I've handled, you know, for example, the, the, the death of my late wife, I say, yeah, and I paid a lot of good money to therapists too. I did, I did EMDR. I, I, I worked with a lot of mental health professionals, mm-hmm. as well as spiritual health professionals, mm-hmm. as as well. And I don't think we mentioned that enough. To pray, to affirm whatever spiritual practice you adhere to, does not negate, does not negate things like therapy and medication. And, and, and do both because you're going to be better for it. And I, and right. So there is a, there is a physiological aspect to depression that you need chemical. Some people need chemical help with. There is also a, a mental aspect to it, but I also, I, I really, I don't want to discount the spiritual aspect of, of true, of helping people walk with, through with these other other professionals walking with them to find hope again right and so i'll admit like when i'm in the midst of this one of the things that i i make people help me do is what's the next thing i can look forward to even if it's tomorrow right like it's it's the one minute one day one hour blah 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 at a time right you you take this moment and can i make it through this moment um, and you find things to look forward to, you, you make those appointments and, and, um, I'm, I'm a great nagger. <laughs> like <laughs> I will, we'll set a lunch date and you want to, you want to get out, but, um, you know, I'm going to make you have lunch with me, have dinner with me. I'm going to stop by your house. I'm going to, I'm going to find you quote unquote, if, if, if I know you're in a really tough spot, um, and I have one of my, one of my very, very good friends is bipolar. She will text me. Um, she will say, you know what? I'm switching medications. Um, her, her spouse like has my number, um, but you know me best. And if you see me having erratic behavior, then, you know, like I'm here, like, tell me, I need, I need your eyes also. And, and so those are all steps, really, really healthy steps. And we just can't be afraid of it. We, like, this is the part, this is Anthony, you know, Bourdain's friend saying, like, we have to stop being afraid of mental illness. We have to stop saying it's wrong. And, and you raise a really good point to, uh, about what your friend said. Self-awareness is, 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 is key. And if we can get to that place where we know ourselves so well that we know the signs again and at least have those one or two people who can love us unconditionally no matter what. And I think there's a I think 
um, you know, there's there's maybe also a piece of that self-judgment, which I can speak about. There, there are a lot of people close to me that I didn't want me to, I didn't want them to see me going through this, the, 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 the most horrendous part of my grief, you know, but right. they were, they were at least two people right. who I knew I could call anytime, anywhere, say anything to even the most quote unquote, like inappropriate things around grief. Like, like I felt the relief that my wife had died because I'm not going through what, what it took to took care of her. I wasn't going through the complex feelings I was feeling about our marriage at the time a weight was lifted and and that's you know how how dare i say that right. i felt good things about her passing right so so there weren't there wasn't the audience for that right away i only had two people i could talk to about that and and again part of the therapy work was being able to get to a point to recognize that and the spiritual work was about forgiving myself for mm -hmm. feeling the guilt, for feeling the anger towards myself, towards her. So again, the, 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 it's it's a multidisciplinary approach. It, it's it's Absolutely. not one or, one or the other. But it also stems, I think, part of the reason a lot of people neglect the religious spiritual approach is what we mentioned earlier. They believe that God's condemning them, that their faith yep. is condemning them for for contemplating suicide, for, for, yeah. for quote unquote, not doing enough to save that person. Right. So I think when we can lift that veil of 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 it's you know quote unquote it's okay in God's eyes you know there's there's uh, and and I was looking up you know what different religions and faiths say about this and for the most part they all condemn suicide even mm -hmm. even even in the Jewish faith you actually have a whole different part of the cemetery for right. those people who commit suicide so they're the so religion yeah. enforces the stigma Ooh. around suicide, and a lot of it is because in, in, in a lot of religions' eyes, you have taken the ultimate gift that God gave you, which is life. You, know, right. you take somebody else's life, you might could still ask for forgiveness. And pleading. Isn't that interesting, yeah, then, though? Right? But, but, like, but you take your own. You've, you've murdered yourself. There, there's no asking for forgiveness. I mean, I feel fact. like why why is it way bigger of a sin to have taken your own life than it was to take someone else's but it doesn't even but, make sense if you think it, about it right like think of like process right. that through theologically like you're not involving anyone else but you you know right and in fact i mean truly and again this is this is part of the process the struggle of depression is or even even the financial like let's like let's talk about that financial stress piece which yeah. you know of you truly believe that by doing this, you are bettering, you are bettering the people around you. And I'm not saying you are right. really not. But I'm saying that's what you're are. believing in that moment that yeah. if like you're, you're feeling your suffering so intensely that you feel like you're such a burden on everyone around you. And if I could it, and again, I, I am not, condoning it in any way as condoning it in a way of like, please reach out. You can, you can listen. I'm on Twitter at Rev Meech, like tweet me anytime, find us on Facebook. Any of us will be there for you like right yep. now. Yep. But um, I'm, I'm not saying that you are truly, truly not alone in this, but in that moment, you believe that you are relieving people's suffering. Like, yeah. Right. That's what you believe. Yeah. And, and 
and, and we have a government that kills people because they believe that they're so terrible that they need to be executed through a, a prison system. Now tell me why that is not a bigger sin or at least equal of a sin in religion's eyes than taking your own life. I mean, I'm sorry, I, I just don't understand and I completely disagree with that line. Yeah, and I, I think I think the self-worth piece is a huge piece of it. You know, I've been in conversations with friends who have been suicidal and it's the kind of language like, I'm, I'm just a big weight for everybody and I'm not worth it and no one's gonna miss me. In fact, it'll be better when I'm gone and there'll be less headache and, and I'm not worth anyone's time or trouble. And what Ogan named was if you pile on top of that, God also doesn't respect you or value you or God even you know, uh, thinks negatively about you because you're thinking this way about yourself. Like it just piles on something that doesn't, that's already hard and doesn't need to be there. And so it can't be said enough that A, God loves you unconditionally right. and values you deeply and you are beautiful no matter what struggle and searing pain you're in the midst of. And by the way, so do the people around you, even if you're not feeling it. And, and I don't want to lie. I put a, I had two people also, maybe three that I could go to. One of them, I freaked out really, really badly. And so I didn't go to her as often, but, um, I had two people that I know I placed a, I know I placed a lot of burden on them. This was the most recent time. And yet they knew, they, they knew to stick with me. They knew it like, even though it was hard, they knew that they could keep going with me. And I remember even saying to one, I feel like my circle has gotten so small. And she said back to me, she said, Shannon, it is amazing that you trust anybody at this moment. Yeah. And that was such a helpful thing to say. Good. Like that was such a helpful relief of, and, the, and again, you want to know what to say to people feeling this way? You are not a burden to me. You yeah. contact me anytime you want. I That's am right. here for you. I want to help you like over and over and over again, because by time 1562, I might hear it. I might. That's right. And you show that by being willing to, to chat uh, online until three in the morning or talk on the phone or be willing to stop by at the drop of a hat. And, and that gets tricky where you don't like, because people can also sort of, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but, you well, know, what do you think about that? When, when you feel like someone knows what's going to get you activated and they know what button to push for you to rush to there, is, is that even, I think you have, have I just to crossed the line. No, 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 no. Cause I was actually going to say, I, I was actually thinking about this earlier that like, there are people that are attention seekers that are always attention seekers that are going to throw things out there. I, I think you know the difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have certainly right. had to draw some boundaries, particularly religiously, right? Like people I serve. Yeah, professionally. Um, right. Professionally, right. Um, that people I serve that I've had to draw some boundaries of I, I'll just throw this out. This isn't quite this it's very close to the same. She was in recovery and she had almost killed herself because of her drug and alcohol um addiction multiple times been in hospitalized comas for days, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to step back. She, she would just drain my energy, you know, and I had to step back and say, 
She is in a daily recovery program. Every extension of help, and I mean help is in um, not just like answering the phone, but like help getting her a sponsor, right? Like going with her to meetings, I will, et cetera, et cetera. There was a constant refusal. I mean, this went on for months and I had to step back and say, you know what? She's in a court mandated rehab project. If, if these professionals can't get through to her, I'm not going to be able to get through to her. And, and that was the responsibility piece that I had to take off myself. Um, but if you're talking, I mean, again, if you're talking about your best friend, if you're talking about the people closest to you, thank God they just sat there. They listened to me complain about the same thing over and over and over again. For and sure. thank God they did. You know, That's and right. I, I'm not saying the outcome would have been necessarily any different, but the last thing I needed at that point was for life to be harder. You no know doubt. what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. So yes, absolutely. You, you have to find your own boundaries. You really do. And, and if you do that and somebody still, um, makes, makes this choice, which is what it is, let's, we really don't want to shy away from that. Um, as, as hard as it may be to like, you know, that's a difficult, again, some people feel like they don't have a choice. For sure. And I, and I would say with the boundaries thing too, speaking to clergy, especially, or, or therapists or counselors, you, ha- you do have to know your boundaries and you also have to recognize that you're part of a community and you have to empower yes. p- other people to be community around each other so that you're not always the one bearing all the weight of what every person is dealing with because you can't right. do it. And so if you're on the phone with a person that refuses help of a therapist, as Ogan said, you know, refuses to go to counseling, refuses um, to at least go down the road of medication, like there's only so much you can do. Um, each of us have a part to play. This is the beauty of community. Each of us have our part to play and, and we share that burden together. 100%. And it's important for us not to feel guilt or, 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 or self-recrimination when we play our part and that person still chooses to take their life. We've got to see success not as they stayed alive, but success as I, I did my part to connect with them and they were not alone. They knew that and whatever choice they made was their choice not something I did wrong right? Uh, as a survivor. Because, you know, that survivor's guilt that Brian brought up, uh, that, that could be pretty harsh. It can, absolutely. And, and find, finding the balance um, between, like, again, understanding this was their choice, but also understanding God doesn't condemn that choice and, yeah. and really holding both of those. And that's okay, you know. For sure, for sure. Any other final thoughts? Uh, pretty weighty episode today. I think a lot of good stuff shared, really. And, and um, I hope that uh, our listeners will give us some feedback on this episode and things you are, are reacting to and experiencing around this issue. But anything, any final word from either of you? Again, just reach out if you can. Um, even if it's the littlest, the, 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 closest person to you to say, Hey, can you please check in on me? I'd really appreciate that. Like, and again, we're here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and find both a good minister and a good therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, yeah. yes, Brian. Yes, and Brian. If you, you, if you, you didn't you like too. your first therapist, go ahead and try another. It's okay. Yeah. Just you can shop around. first one didn't work out. It's really okay. And I know it took all your energy, but do it anyway. 
and 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 I share I share that a lot again from my personal experience of having benefited from a, a good therapist. But I think one of the things that we overlook is uh, when you have a good therapist, you're also not alone in this. That's right. that's a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good thoughts, friends. Well, thank you for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Really appreciate uh, all of you, our listeners, who really make the show uh, what it is. Remember, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes, and we'd love you to rate us over there. If you'd like to watch us, which is always entertaining, you can do that on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to find uh, a Pub Theology gathering in your neighborhood, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if there isn't one near you, you can find some resources to help start your own. And thank you again to our sponsor, Wink. That's Wink with a C, Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Looks like, uh, oh, there he is. He's back. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm back and having to explain to some bastard boys why I'm so heavily day drinking. <laughs> um, you're in a church conference. That needs to be explained. Yeah. You're kind of jumping the gun on everyone. Exactly. I think you might need a nap and a latte after this, and then you can jump in at happy hour again. Anyway, sure. thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for it was, it was tough, but um, I think it was a really, really, really good conversation to have.